Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Howdy. And today we are talking Cthulhu Reich mm. by uh, Ken Asamatsu. Or Asamatsu Ken. Yes. As it's it said in Japan. Book. And on the... On the, the, the Japanese way of putting last names first. Yes. Well, they wouldn't family be last names, names they'd be family names. <laughs> right on. Hi, Ken. <laughs> if you listen to this. Um, now, tell me a little bit more about the background of this book. You seem to have a little bit more information on it than well, I do. Um, I don't know if I have more information. It's more inf- um inference than anything uh just copyright uh 1999 mm-hmm. and yeah um all these stories were published in the 90s um there's like five stories one two three four five, six stories they're all published um between 1994 and 1999 um and now they have been um 1999 they came out in this particular um book cthulhu reich in japan and 20 years later they were translated and we we get a an english version yeah so it's brand new to us right brand new to a western audience unless you happen to speak japanese and you got the japanese uh, edition well a an english-speaking audience can't speak for any other languages right right um so yeah uh we came out it looked like something that would be right up our alley so i i grabbed a copy of it and here we are here we are. Now, I thought that originally thought this was a novel. I did too. Um, just just the way it was kind of presented, it kind of like looks like it's a novel, but it's not. It's a collection of semi-related stor- short stories, mm-hmm. all focusing around uh, Germany in the uh, post-war and World War II era, uh, with the exception of one story. That takes place in Victorian England. Two stories. The first story takes oh. place in modern Japan. Oh, uh, yes. 19, 1998, 1994 Japan. Right, right. Okay, so, yeah, two stories. The first story starts out 1990s era Japan. And then there's one story uh, in Victorian England. The rest center around uh, World War II era Germany. Right. Hence the title Cthulhu Reich. Yes, and and they all have to do with with uh, Germany, Hitler. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the major themes. It is almost a um, Achtung Cthulhu campaign come to life. Yeah, kinda, kinda. It has very much um, the Nazi occultism angle going on. Yes, yes, and it, it kind of takes that to the next level. Um, instead of uh, fusing traditional occultism with um, the Cthulhu mythos, mm-hmm. right? So, so, but so you end up with something that's very much uh, Mike Mignola, Mignola type of you know Hellboy punching a Nazi in the face wouldn't be like out of place in this collection, 
Right, but don't get don't get us wrong. It's not very superhero-ish. It's it's no, it's quote unquote realistic. If um, otherworldly monsters and and god beings exist, right, right. <laughs> there there are no real heroes in the in these stories because uh, you know most of the stories are are Nazis. And you cannot, in with any type of sense, and say a Nazi is a hero. Yeah, it's it's funny because there's like a few stories that are really intense, um, like the uh, the in the Wasteland of Madness in particular, mm-hmm. where you have these Nazis are the last bastion against like the oncoming forces of of Cthulhu and and Yautzothothery, right. And you can't root for them because they're Nazis, right? But it's the end of the world, <laughs> right? It's it's the end of the world, and it's the Nazis are the last line of defense. Like, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I I'm uh, gonna go with the Shoggoths on this one. <laughs> what is it? Uh, it's uh, Dobson's choice. Is that what they call that? Uh, something like that, or Hobson's choice? One of the two, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so you have that aspect of it, and to be honest, it is a little trying at times, um, given the current political climate. Yes, there are there are a number of passages that written in the nineties out of the mouths of Nazis ring so true in America today. Yeah. Uh, and you know it's 20 years ago in japan it was written um right yeah there's like some things where you're just like god damn it and you have to remind yourself that this isn't um modern criticism on american politics because it was written 20 years ago right in another country but goddamn the similarities between the third reich and the current administration in america are fucking spooky. Right. I, I, I sent you a pad, a quote from the book um, yesterday. Yeah, or, no, it's, or this it's, morning. It was this morning. And it's funny because when I was reading that, that same exact passage came into my mind where I was going, oh, shit, this is really fucking tough. Yeah. Because, <laughs> so, because it was almost word for, it was out of Gable's mouth. And it was almost word for word something I read on a certain executive officer's Twitter feed yesterday. Yeah, so if you want, you can read that passage. So, quote, The propaganda of our enemies attacks us, claiming that the government of the Third Reich is oppressing Jews, gathering them into concentration camps and subjecting them to criminal inhumane treatment. However, these enemies of the people ignore the fact that the German government is actually protecting the Jews in the national spirit of tolerance and giving them new accommodation and comfortable hygienic facilities. Unquote. Yeah. So that was written by uh, Ken. Right. In the voice 20 of... 20 years ago. 20 years voice, ago. In the voice of Joseph Goebbels... Wherever that you pronounce that fucking scumbag name. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, he was the Nazi propaganda minister. Yeah. He he was tw- Twitter for, for Hitler. 
Pretty much. <laughs> so, um, it, it's just amazing that just the timing of this book coming out when um, a lot of the things that happened in this book, especially in that last story, uh, DSRA, uh, mm -hmm. just just are dead on the money. Now, Deus Airy, let's let's talk about that one because that's one of the longest stories in the book. And um, I believe we call that call that actual historical event Operation Valkyrie. Yep, it's a, it's a it's a it's kind of a mystical take on Operation Valkyrie, mm -hmm. um, which is the the assassination plot against Hitler, failed assassination attempt against Hitler by high level Nazi uh, military officers. Right. So, and this one kind of adds the the Cthulhu mythos twist to it. Mm -hmm. um, it probably is the best story in the collection. Right. It's that one's probably the best. I would say the second best is um, the Jack the Ripper story. Yeah, there's a there's a cool Jack the Ripper story, but uh, this era is just it takes everything that you want from this kind of um, story you know a historical event that happened something that happened and then adding fantasy elements to it mm -hmm. um you know you you take um hitler was being advised by a uh quote-unquote tibetan monk who was probably Naralathotep. right <laughs> um the main character in the story starts seeing um reality kind uh, kind of a la um they live mm -hmm. um in his in his everyday life right he uh has a nightmare and he kind of wakes up and he can see what's actually transpiring and he sees Migo hanging out and all sorts of stuff that no one else can see and it it, it opens up with a nebulous passage where um it basically says that um anybody in the party who starts to show signs of insanity is immediately executed. Right. And it goes from there where you see this uh, character is, you don't know whether he's um, his sanity is beginning to, to um, erode or if he's actually experiencing um, what he thinks he is. Right. Very cleverly written. Um, you got to give props to the translator as well mm -hmm. uh because it's really subtly done and i think that um just a just a a bad translation or an okay translation of this would have probably ruined it right and not carried that subtlety over so you really got to give it to to this guy as well and his name is um jim ryan r-i-o-n Right, right. Because because translation is is an art. Because there are subtleties, particularly in the the Japanese language, and in the uh, in the Chinese language as well, that requires not just straight translation. It's not like translating French or Old English or something like that. There are subtleties in the language that you also have to interpret and interpret them in such a way that that makes sense to the end user as it yeah. were and and i i found that really well done 
Well, all you have to do to prove that point is go onto Twitter or Facebook, find a Japanese uh, feed, and hit translate. Mm-hmm. And tell me if that makes any sense to anybody at all, because it doesn't. Um, right. Just the, the the grammar, the the um, just the the subconsciousness behind the language is is it's a completely different mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it yeah, it has to be translated and interpreted. Right, right. And and yeah, this guy uh, Jim Ryan, he did a really good job. Right, right. Plus, plus when we were dealing with something like the Cthulhu mythos, which you have to kind of like interpret and transpose into the Japanese language. And Ken has been very successful at that in his in his career as being a mythos writer in Japan. Uh, so, you know, formulating the uh, the concepts of the unspeakable and the unnameable that have been spoken of in, in one language and translating it into another and having it work there. And then being able to go backwards from that is, is, is a testament to the skill of both gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so the other thing I really liked about this book, just before we get into the actual contents of the book are the, uh, end notes. Right. The end notes are great. Um, and my guess is that they are geared toward uh, people in in Japan who aren't as familiar with the Cthulhu mythos as um, somebody who would, who would go and pick this up off the shelf mm-hmm. or in Amazon, um, sight unseen in, in America. Right. Um, You're grabbing just, it because it has Cthulhu. In the time. Right. Exactly. Uh, a lot of people who would buy this sort of thing are already familiar with all this shit. But uh, I, I can't say that that is the case in Japan. Um, and I might be like completely off the, off the um, track on this. But, <laughs> but uh, also the end notes also include um, little little bits and bobs to, to history and, and occultism as well. Yes. You know, and that's something that, you know, any audience, you know, without a certain degree of specialized knowledge knows. Uh, right. We had a couple the, the, of notes defining minor officials in the Nazi regime and whatnot. Right. Uh, well, minor and major. Also, and major, yes. Um, and also, like you said, um, just r- run-of-the-mill historical spiritualists. Right. Um, who, unless you are an order of the golden dawn junkie you probably don't know who they are right so you you get a, a nice little education as well yep. um concerning uh, what he's talking about so th- there's that as well which is mm-hmm. great so for example uh Sifagua is an evil god from saturn once worshipped in hyperborea and mckay his name was rendered as Zothakwa by the medieval French mage Gaspard de Nord in his translation of the Book of Ivan. Incidentally, that same book rendered Cthulhu as Cthulhu on a millenarium. Sadakwa is the Latin rendering of Sothagwa. Mm-hmm. So you have all this information that you actually um, can glean from reading various 
Cthulhu mythos stories. Right. Zapped in there, and that's and that's like a nice little summary of what the the frog thing is. Right. And and I kind of I'm I'm kind of glad you brought that one up first because I I thought it was really clever how Sathagwa was tied into the Dracula myth. Yeah. In in, in that story is with with you know the Tepesh family, you know, overlooking this Roman ruin that was like a prison for Sathagwa and its minions. Yeah. That was a really clever one. That that was another one that was kind of like it juggled some some very disparate um, just pieces of horror. Mm-hmm. The Dracula myth and the Cthulhu mythos uh, and did a really, really good job. And it's yet another one where you were like, oh, my God, the world's going to end. Holy shit. Who cares? It's Nazis. <laughs> right. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> You're you're reading through it, and the Nazis are battling with the the evil things from the woods, and you're like, "Yeah, I got to go with Sagwa." Yeah, bite the neck. Go the Sagwa. Go vampires. <laughs> go Mrs. Dracula. Right, Lady Dracula, Countess Dracula. You know, and and truthfully, I, you know, I, I'm not 100 familiar with the Dracula myth. Or, or the vampire myth in Eastern Europe, but it, it seems to me that uh, folks like the Nazis and Dracula would not get along so well. Yeah, well, it's hard to say because now I've only read Dracula, mm-hmm. um, so that's my that would be my my literary source. And he, there's a passage in there where he's bragging about um, his his family, well, it being him, but he's saying his family, um, as one of the last, the stalwart defenders of uh, Christian, Christendom from the Turk. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're very, he's very proud to be, you know, part of the West politically, at least. Right. Um, so I, I think he would be a stalwart defender against Sathagwa. Um, maybe it, it's hard because you know the Dracula myth is very, very tied into um, Christianity. Yes, it was um, a, a deal with the devil, and the uh, you know obviously you know, the Cthulhu mythos. Um, treat Christianity as it treats everything else as hogwash. Right. And it, it, it is, you know, th- these things are older than uh, anything Christian. And, and probably someone out there has written um, a story where Christianity is proven to be just some weird bastardization of Yogg-Sothothery. Uh, John Tierney. Yeah, well, there you go. The whole Simon Magus story, uh, series yeah, of stories. Never read it. Um, but there, there you yeah. go. You know, it, the the other thing, you know, since you bring up that, is that often writers tend to superimpose the mythos on. They just replace, you know, Christian devilry and and demonology with Cthulhu mythos. 
And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, he sold his soul to a devil. Well, it wasn't really the devil. It was not our left up. Yeah, that actually, um, dreams in the witch house notwithstanding, that, that thing, you know, I classified that with everything else that pisses me off about um, pastiche. Is that kind of grinds your gears a little bit, huh? Yeah, I mean, even with Christianity, <laughs> right? It's it's a little bit it's a little bit worse uh, when they when they do it to uh, non Western religions or, yeah, or non European Christianity. It's, it, yeah, it's still the same thing, though. It, it's you know, it, it's just it's just wrong. Right. Right. It you know, it's it's wrong to take I mean, regardless of what your opinion of Christianity is, it's still it's a, somebody's belief. It's somebody's belief and it's it's a tradition and and a, a mythology and a philosophy that's been going on for a couple thousand years. And it's got its and, own problems. And right. It doesn't, it doesn't it, need right. to have this like thrown on top of it as like, you know, almost disinformation. Mm hmm. You know. Yeah, it, you know, like, like when we were talking about um, the Aztecs, you know, that was obviously a religion that had had issues, mm -hmm. <laughs> tons of human sacrifice, right? Which was perfectly <laughs> acceptable for them in their place and time, right? But what what I'm saying is like, you don't have to compound it and make it seem um, anything darker than it already is by throwing the mythos on top of it, right? Right. One one blood hungry god is you know not anything you know compared to 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 somebody's a uh, a uh, uh, a blood hungry god that people actually believe in or believed in. I don't know if there's any uh, current modern day offshoots of of uh, the Aztec religion. Well, there might be people down there who actually you know still believe that. Right. You never. Right. Um, right. You know, it was their religion, and you know, as as pervasive and insidious as Christianity is, you know, not everyone buys into it. Right. Pockets of na native belief still exist. Exactly. Um, you know, you have Santeria, you have Voodoo, you have Irish Catholicism, uh, <laughs> which right. is just which is just Celtic paganism with a veneer. Uh, right. Um, well, it's funny that that like this topic comes up because the, one of the cool things about this book is that it didn't paint the um, the mythos as using the Nazis to take over everything. Right. It was the it was, other way around. Yes, it was kind of like uh, a, a a mutually exclusive deal. Right. The Nazis were looking for power any way they could get it. And the mythos provided that power. But as as all things in a mythos story, uh, it, it comes with a price. It's corrupting. Which is, it's great because one thing this book does not do is uh, glorify the Nazis. No. Or um, make excuses for the Nazis. Um, you'll find that even in uh, DSRA, 
where the the quote unquote heroes um, are actively working to stop Hitler, not because he's wrong, but because he's using these otherworldly forces. And he's gone off the deep end. Yeah, and he's gone, but they, but they're still like on board with the war and everything. Right. They're still Nazis. <laughs> Um, so it, it's it's nice to see. I, I can't believe I'm saying this that they're not making excuses for the Nazis. They're evil. They're evil people. Right. Um, they are maybe a little bit humanized in some in some parts, but they remain Nazis. Right. You, you don't feel sorry for for you know the guy who's just following orders. You don't feel bad for him. No. Shoggoth eats you. You don't really feel bad about it. Yeah, and that was the story that probably came the closest to you um, feeling sorry, I guess, for them. Those two stories, mm -hmm. uh, The Mask of Yoth Flagon and mm -hmm. In the Wasteland of Madness, which were actually related to each other. Right, right. That one's a direct sequel to the other. And the uh, Wasteland of Madness is a direct sequel to At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah, which is, a, I thought that story was fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I think I think Ken does an interesting way, uh, particularly in that story where, on the one hand, yes, you know, you're kind of set in this Nazis being the last bastion against you know the Shoggoths and whatnot in Antarctica. But on the other hand, he kind of tempers that a little bit with them being cast-offs. The, the guys that are not your good, loyal Nazis. You, know, you have right. people with questionable backgrounds being sent on this mission. <laughs> They're the criminals. It's the dirty dozen. Kind of. Or the, the Nazi suicide squad. Right, right, kind of. You know, you're not perfect. You're not perfect enough. To really be part of our grand war effort, but we're going to send you down on this you're, important mission. You're good enough for this. You're 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 good <laughs> enough to possibly die. You're good enough for this shit. You're Close. you're you're just a rank above the common stormtrooper. <laughs> right. Well, we couldn't trust the Jews anyway. Now, I kind of I really enjoyed the the first. The actual first story in the book, um, and and that thought that the corporal's self-portrait. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Um, I didn't really like the way it ended. I, you know, it's just kind of like on the one hand, it's, um, you know, like including H.P. Lovecraft in the uh, in the mythos. Yeah, that one was really like manga esque. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was really just without giving it away. It was like one of those, um, almost like a, a, a Jinji Ito kind of ending, with like like a a twist. Right. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like screaming, screaming horrible or making you, you know clench or anything but it kind of had like that mellow creepy vibe to it 
and then mm-hmm. it had the ending, and it really reminded me of a lot of horror manga. Right. Right, and and it also has its own echoes into uh, right wing politics creeping their way into Japan. Got creeping. <laughs> wow, man, those guys dodged a bullet last weekend, but yeah. barely, yeah. barely. Um, the you second know, story, you know, it's it's oh. like really horrible when Japan's government looks left compared to ours. Mm-hmm. Because they've been right wing for a long time, they don't oscillate. Right, they just kind of steadily go right. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's just that's an aside. They dodged a bullet. Right, <clears throat> agreed. The second story, um, I, I would have preferred almost as a as as a full novel on its own. Uh, just just because you have the main character who is Japanese, it, it questions the whole thing. It's like, well, you know, all right, you know, these guys, I, he tries to remain a skeptic, even though what he sees is, is absolute proof. Yeah, he, this is like a, this is where uh, they, they start into the uh, ritualized magic. Mm-hmm. Like a golden dawn kind of stuff, as um, part like part of the mythos, like the cultists, like like you would have, uh, yeah, like cultists in a in a Call of Cthulhu game. Mm-hmm. So you have the upper echelon of the SS um, Himmler, right, conducting these huge um, like ritualistic magic things to cast, you know, protection on certain areas and wards and everything to coax out uh, magics and, and all sorts of weird stuff. And, and it kind of gels because, you know, the rumor has it that Hitler was into a lot of that shit with the fool society. And, hmm. you know, you, you have Hellboy, you have Indiana Jones. There's a lot of precedent for that in, in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Of a uh, occult Nazis, so this kind of takes it to the next level where it's a cult Cthulhu Nazis, right? Right. Which I mean, that is kind of like the natural outgrowing of of these this kind of a popularity of the occult in that time period, right? Uh, you had the Theosophists, you had um, uh, the first exposure really to the Western world uh, it, from Buddhism coming in in the early 20th century. Yeah, and if you look at things like the Simon Necronomicon, there's definitely a precedent for this ritual magic to be incorporated into the mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Illuminatus trilogy uh, does that a little bit as well. You know, and, and, and obviously, games like Call of Cthulhu kind of play with that. Yes. Uh, where you have like huge um, masses of cultists um, donating their powerpoints to a spell to bring down whatever deity, mm-hmm. and you have it in the the stories as well. You know, done done it horror. Yeah, but it's like the the scale of that. That's just like one guy. Right, but it's still a ritual. This is like you know Aleister Crowley kind of 
kind of magic where you have like you know 40 people in a room chanting with knives uh, kind of like the ending of young sherlock holmes mm-hmm. or indiana jones in the temple of doom yep or um the robert downey jr sherlock holmes movie yes the best batman film ever made <laughs> so you have you have um these nazis performing these these rituals to uh they're they're looking for this mask uh which would be the mask of yath fagot right which is a original deity i believe uh yes I believe you are correct. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's cool. It's It's got action, adventure. Espionage. Um, espionage, yes. You have the, the uh, Japanese spy who has to aid the SS before mm-hmm. a rival faction gets a hold of the mask. Very nice. And then the follow-up um, in the Wasteland of Madness where this mask is taken to uh the mountains of madness just to help uh secure the uh it's like the the nazi utopia in antarctica Mm -hmm. they want to create this um prophesized uh utopia i guess um in in antarctica uh, right where, where they can have you know nazi paradise Right, right. And I, I kind of like how that, that worked in with the whole Thule society and everything with Thule being far to the north. But the poles have flipped since Yule, Thule was around. Yes. <laughs> and north has become south. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very, clever. very clever. But it's a nice nod for those of us who've read and enjoy At the Mountains of Madness and wonder what happened to all those Shuggaths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're Nazi-killing Shuggaths. That's right. <laughs> this Shuggath was created for killing fascists. Yeah, there you go, Shuggaths. In fact, I think I'm going to title the episode This Shuggath Kills Fascists. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, the next story was even delves even deeper into ritualized magic mm-hmm. where the posit is Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack the Ripper murders were a magical ceremony to bring about the birth of infamous people later on in the century. In the right. Century. Right. Uh, in, in, in particular, yeah, we don't want to talk about that, but you know, I mean, if the book is called Cthulhu Reich, if you haven't figured out who who we're talking about by now, yeah, I mean, <laughs> once you start reading it, you're going to be like, oh, okay, duh. Yeah, they kind of <laughs> give it away in with within the first couple of pages. Yeah, and but it's a cool concept. Um, yeah, you, and it's a it's a unique uh, perspective on on Jack the Ripper. Because mm-hmm. usually, you know, it's Jack the Ripper was a barber or, you know, a doctor or blah, blah, blah. And I never heard of Jack the Ripper being the coroner. Uh, well, ritualized murder to, for uh, for a magic ceremony. Um, I Didn't they do that in uh, From Hell? 
Yeah, see, didn't read From Hell, didn't watch From Hell because... Alan Moore. Alan Moore. So, there you go. But he disavowed it, so you can... He just like the rest of them. I mean, he only disavowed the movie. Because <laughs> that's how he rolls. You can have the rights to my stuff, but I'm not going to like it. Cha-ching! Fuck Alan Moore. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It, it's just interesting because I've used that concept before. Mm-hmm. Uh, ritualized murders for, you know, um, bringing about magical change, just not in this way. Mm-hmm. So, very cool. Of course, he did it 20 years before I did, so whatever. Well, I mean, it, it's one of those things that you, you try to put a you try to put a twist on the old Call of Cthulhu trope of it all started with a murder, right? You know, oh, yeah. and in, instead of instead of people being murdered to be silenced, you know, they get killed as part of this this grand ritual, right? Which you know, I mean, when I did it, I stole it from Full Metal Alchemist, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe uh, she stole it from this. Possibility. Quite possible. Next, we have a feast for the children of the night. Yes, the the Sathagwa Dracula story. <laughs> Where you have Nazis in an isolated Transylvanian village. That is correct. <laughs> uh, that's great. Nazis get killed, and uh, yeah. So the the uh, leader of these Nazis, uh, I forget his name. Uh, he was a piece of work, wasn't he? Yeah, Lieutenant Shitbag. I believe his no, name was. No, it was his his superior. Oh, Colonel Shitbag. Yeah, Colonel Shitbag. <laughs> Shice Shice bag. Like, I mean, here you have like our apologies. Our apologies to actual shitbags. Here you have, like, when you think of Nazis, this is the guy you think of. Right. This is like the, they have ways of making you talk kind of guy. Yes. It was nice to see that, like, he totally played up that stereotype of just the evil Nazi guy mm-hmm. to be the the dupe in this piece. Right. And I imagine all of uh, Ken's Gestapo guys were uh, that dude from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> because yes. they all wear fr- rimless glasses. They all click their heels when they talk. They all wear trench coats. Black trench coats. All you needed was a portable hanger. A portable, uh, collapsible hanger. For his jacket. Now, Fraulein. Yeah. They all they all act like Wesley James Young's normal characters. 
Nice getting Wes in there. Yeah, we got to get him in every episode. And the one thing we did not mention was the story Gigantomachia 1945. Yeah, that's like your uh, your kaiju kaiju <laughs> das boot. That's <laughs> totally what it was. It was well, it was like kaiju das boot with like a dash of Scooby Doo in there. Mm-hmm. But not like the I would have gotten away with it part of Scooby Doo, just the motivation. Right. Like because it was just so stupid. Not mm-hmm. that the story was stupid, but the solution to everything was just so stupid. It was staring you right in the face. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. It's like <gasps> shock, horror. I just figured out what that is. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, but it was like a really cool story, really like creepy. So you have like um, the evacuation of the Third Reich is going on. So they're they're done. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to get everybody to South America. Right. They're trying (laughs) trying to get, trying to get some of their more powerful, quote unquote, mages to South America to start uh, preparing the the groundwork for the Fourth Reich. They could set up the Fourth Reich. So this is where where you have Baron Zemo and the Red Skull going to South America, more or less. Kinda, yeah. And um, so this is the es- This is from the perspective of the guy who's supposed to escort these this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like a, he's a powerful mage, who's like obviously off his rocker, and they're in they're in a submarine, and they are being tailed by yeah kaiju. More or less. Right. Yep. Dagon himself. Yes. But it's definitely Kaiju Dagon. Right. Well, wasn't Dagon the mountain that walked? Uh no, that was that was uh Cthulhu. A mountain walks or stumbles. That's that was Cthulhu. But Dagon was, you know, uh, was, I, that, that could have sworn was, that was in Dagon. That story is a precursor to Call of Cthulhu, so you know. Right. Kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other, really. I, I thought it was really cool at the end of the story when they're doing all the big reveal stuff that Dagon just looks at the, the wizard man and just speaks perfect German to him. <laughs> well, I mean, why wouldn't he? Right. It makes just about a sense as Dagon speaking perfect English. We have ways of making you talk, little man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was a. <laughs> it was it was it was kind of cool because like once you figured out what was going on, you kind of figure it out along with the main character. Mm-hmm. You just kind of want to kick yourself, <laughs> right? But there's also this sense of claustrophobia in that story because you're in a, a submarine, which are you know even the large modern submarines are very cramped. So you know you're thinking these early submarines. These, you know, these old U-boats, you know, are even more so. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's you know, been a, a number of, like, creepy submarine stories mm-hmm. that go around. Like, um, The Temple by Lovecraft mm-hmm. uh, kind of had that same claustrophobic uh, just feel to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you think about it, uh, being in a submarine under the water is, is a lot like being in a spaceship, you know, floating in, 
between planets. You know, it's like you're in this space, you're confined to this space. And, you know, if you ex you know, try to run away from whatever terror is happening, uh, you know, will die. you'll will die. die. So, you know, you're like caught between a rock and a hard place. Yes. And, and that's what kind of ratchets up the tension is that, like you know, eyes. right. And it's a chase story in that, you know, it's like every time they turn around, it's like right there. Dagon is like right there behind them. Right. And then once again, you have like this, this tension between um, the monster, you know, the supernatural situation. And then the quote unquote, heroes are despicable people the mage mm -hmm. is evil yes i mean he's so and it's not even that uh you know he's made any type of pact with the mythos he is using the mythos for his own gain yeah i mean he's like beyond <laughs> yeah he's, he is he's cthulhu extra cthulhu extra <laughs> he, he is extra he is definitely up there in the class of people that you could definitely villain. Yeah, so it's it's a cool villain, and I like it because Dagon is really just a a force out there, uh, just like have, just like the submarine. You know, mm -hmm. it's something that has to be dealt with, but it's environmental. Right, it's not something that you're going to overcome. It's just part of of what's going on, and the real conflict is, you know, this mage against pretty much everybody else. Right. You know, in terms of whose, like, ultimate interest, where people's interests really lie. Mm -hmm. But they're all good Nazis, and their orders are to protect this guy. Oh, okay, I thought you froze up right there. Oh, nope. <laughs> all right, uh, that about wraps it up for Cthulhu Reich. Uh, definitely, if you get a chance, check this book out. Uh, we'll have a link in the description. Uh, it's it's a short collection of stories. Uh, what, like maybe two, 250 pages, something Not like that? Even, um, Not the even. Last, like the last 20 pages. Are the end notes. Which, end notes and, and author information. So... Right, the endnotes are, are, are of themselves interesting. So definitely check that out. And until next time, keep 30. Keep 30 luck points.